The Cast is recorded live in front of no audience. This is Chris, and joining me once again through the Anchor app is Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hello. We are having a technical difficulty, but keep doing going on, Chris, because I need to connect this headset to the iPhone, but keep going. Okay, well, I'm going to start out with all I'm really going to say about the January 6th panel from AP News, the headline, January 6th panelists, enough evidence uncovered to indict Trump. Not holding my breath, but I am hoping that this results in criminal charges and prosecution being brought against Trump finally. And that's all I really have to say about that. Have you gotten connected? I don't know what you're saying, so apparently Paul is not connected. So I'm going to go on to the next story and see if he can get caught up by this. And there wasn't a lot of new food. Actually, there was only one new food item I came across this week. So... I found this article on Eat This, Not That, which is the four best frozen desserts for weight loss, says dietitian. And without actually reading the entire article, those four items are Halo Top Mango Sorbet, Wyman's Just Fruit Wild Blueberries, Strawberries, and Banana Bites, Yasso Chocolate Fudge Bars, which they're on a stick and I don't like any ice cream on a stick. No, no food on a stick for me. And Chloe's no sugar added grape pops. And I'm back. (laughs) And Paul's there. So I filled in the time very well. But yeah, let's talk about those hearings right quick. I said all I really cared to say. Did you get to see any of them today or get to hear any of them? To not watch them. For the simple fact of, I don't want to get my hopes too high, because I saw some of, I was trying to watch the news at noon today, of course, it was not on. So, I saw some of Barr's recorded testimony that does not look good for Trump, but again, will we get a conviction because of the rest of the corrupt idiots in the Republican Party that will not fault Trump for anything? Well, they clearly said they got enough evidence, just these two hearings, to indict him. I mean, to get him. So, I mean, that's very, very, oh, God, don't have a drink with me. That's very damning for Trump. Very damning. And let's just hope it ends up on Trump's career. There you go. But back to my food stories. The one new item that I found this week, this is foodandwine.com. Jack Daniels and Coca-Cola are teaming up to bring the classic cocktail to cans. What? Are you serious? Maybe it's simply because Prohibition is now nearly one century into our rear view, but mainstream brands seem to be more willing to embrace alcohol in recent years. From Duncan collaborated on branded beers to Oreo working with Barefoot on a wine, the stigma of getting boozy isn't what it once was. And now even soft drink brands aren't afraid to go the hard route. Like Pepsi Company's Mountain Dew releasing 5% ABV versions of their signature sodas and Coca-Cola's Fresca launching a line of canned cocktails. 
So today we finally got an announcement, which probably should have been a no-brainer for a long time. Brown Foreman, the spirits company behind Jack Daniels, and the Coca-Cola company are finally teaming up to release canned cocktail versions of an official Jack and Coke. Wow. And I'm not seeing a date for when it's releasing, but they are in black cans, Daniels logo right at the top, and red Jack Daniels is in white, and Coca-Cola is great big red letters down the bottom middle. There's Jack Daniels old brand, old number seven brand Coca-Cola, and there's Jack Daniels old number seven brand Coca-Cola zero sugar. So if you're an alcoholic who's watching your weight, you can get the zero sugar brand. Uh, alcoholic who's watching your weight. Nice. Hey, they're, they're taking care of them. But did you have any food items or no? I did. I'm trying to find them on my tablet right quick. Um, so, uh, anyways. It was, well, you're... it was it was actually it was a review that someone had written about that uh, Wagyu burger at um, Arby's. Yeah, and they said it's worth trying once because they said it's really good, but it's expensive. Uh, I figured when it was saying that it was ground steak or whatever that it was not going to be cheap. Yeah, but... it's not cheap. I did find, I went to Hardy's this past week. Yeah. You know, they have the, the Jurassic signs up there. And I told you I wanted to try the Jurassic burgers. Well, apparently Hardy's has officially done away with the Beyond Burger. What? That quick? Yep. Because I've checked with two different local Hardy's and neither one of them has the Beyond Burger at all. Now, aren't those individual in, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, not enterprises, but you know what I'm saying? Is it, can't you, franchises, aren't they individual franchises? I really don't remember how Hardy's works. Like the one that, see, we're, we were individual, the one we set, we, when we, see, uh, Spartan Food Systems or Flagstar ended up owning all the restaurants there in Hickory, except for the one in Newton. Though there's one in Newton and one in Conover at the time when we were open, and those were all those were owned by Buddy Lowell. So, anyways, well, all I knew is I went to work at a different point because of them needing help, and it was not a good location. It was the one that was on 70 there across from the old Catawba Mall. That's Hardy's number one, and it's gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Hardy's down on um, 321 is closed now. No, I didn't know that. Yep, the one right there near MD, MDI, it's closed now. Um, yeah, they're shutting them down left and right. Huh. But anyways, any other food items that you need to talk about? Or? Not that I can think of right now, no. I do want to complain for a minute though it would be a complete show unless you were bitching about something well no I, this is a legitimate complaint okay I wanted a vegetarian burger that was literally like a hamburger 
the Burger King, the dining room is closed, and I didn't feel like going through the drive through So we went to Denny's, and I went to the Pick Your Own Burger on Denny's, and ordered the Beyond Burger. When it came to the table, it was a beef patty. Are you sure? Yes, I'm positive. And when I told him, because I didn't eat it, never bit into it, thankfully, but he took it back, went up there, and they had the cook tell him that they didn't have the Beyond Burger. So at this point, I'm wondering, did the waiter type it in wrong, or did the cook just see Beyond Burger and ignore it and fix the beef patty? Because either way, it's a bad situation. Well, he came back and he told me that they didn't have any of the Beyond Burger. And I was like, well, I'm a vegetarian, so I can't eat it. And he brought me a menu. And so I ordered Moons Over My Hammy with no ham and add spinach. They fix it. The waiter brings it to my table. He says, oh, it's got ham on it and takes it back. The cook took the ham off. And sent it back to my table. No. no, I, tried. no. I took two bites. So on the second bite, all I could taste was ham. And I said, I am done. I, I told him, I, I can taste the ham on it. I don't want it. I don't want anything else. And I'm not paying for it. So the waiter took it off the, off the bill. And I got home. And I was still furious when I got home. So I emailed the company and told them the exact situation. I even told them that the, the waiter was, was polite, but no manager ever came over to apologize for the situation, which should have happened. And I am hearing an echo. So something's echoing on your end there. Uh, but Oh, sorry. You shouldn't hear one now. Go ahead. But the... I told him the manager never came over, never tried to clear it up, nothing. And the response I got back was, we're sorry for your trip there that this happened. We will be talking to the franchise owner and somebody else, and we hope you'll come back. So I replied to that email, you're giving me no incentive to come back, and I don't have any desire to return. And I've had no response since. And that was This is should have gone on Twitter and tweeted it. You know Wendy's will respond to you on Twitter. Well, this was Denny's. And I don't know if it or not. I'm sorry. But yeah, I I was not happy with that experience. And I even put to him in my email, I was like, if I had a food allergy and I had ordered something and in good faith expected it to come to the table the way I ordered it, and then ate it, and it was something I was allergic to, it could have resulted in death. I was like, and I even put in the email, this is an extreme situation, I understand. But I've been a vegetarian for 30 years, and eating meat can and will make me sick. Um, and that was the response. Oh, we're sorry it happened. We'll talk I'm- about it. How many times have you ate there, though, Chris? This is the first time in a long time because the service has been so bad so many times that we went, we kept not going. Oh, okay. I was just wondering. 
So, so yeah, I'm, I'm not real happy with Denny's and no plans to go back at this point. Well, it's not like their customer service has went down the hill. Well, like I said, the waiter was polite about it, but and he did not complain about taking the food off. He understood that I was not going to pay for it, never argued about it. But to say, we're going to talk about it and we're sorry it happened is not the way it should have been handled. Yeah. So. But anyways, moving on to more fun news. This is from the Atlantic. Now even NASA wants to talk about UFOs. Did you see that NASA is creating a UFO? How how was it named? The space agency announced yesterday that it will form a team dedicated to studying unidentified aerial phenomena, quote, that cannot be identified as aircraft or known natural phenomena. Starting this fall, the team will examine existing data on these objects and brainstorm new ways to collect future data. All the work which NASA expects will last nine months will be done from, quote, a science perspective. So NASA is going to start investigating UFOs now, too. Well, they see them up there. I mean, you know, the space station and all that up there, they've even reported that they see them. Sorry, I'm having some issues here. I'm having a lot. I've been having an allergy meltdown this afternoon. Well, start hitting that silence button when you have it. Yeah. Um... But next up is something fun. This is to my entertainment. So I don't know if you have anything else that you want to talk about before we get to the entertainment. But so. Um, this Paul's shaking his head no as he's blowing his nose off his, off the mic. But anyways, the, this one's from Variety. Be the Ghostbuster. Sony is bringing two new VR games immersing you in Spectre fighting training to 400 locations this year. It is Virtual Reality Ghostbusters, and it's called Ghostbusters VR Academy. This sounds fun. That does sound fun. I wonder if it's going to be something like that. Remember when, they, when we were younger, they had the laser tag station set up like a building so we could go in yeah. and play laser tag. I wonder if it's going to be something like that. Well, it says in this article, it reads, in the first game for Hologate's Arena multiplayer VR system, players will strap on proton packs and work together as a team in high-risk ghost encounter scenarios all while confined to the safety of Academy grounds, so there's no risk of ectoplasmic exposure. In the ecto-flying game, players compete to see who is fastest and most skillful, who is the fastest and most skillful driver in a high-speed ghostly race. That one will run on Hullagate's Blitz, a motion simulator platform designed for flying and racing games. And there is a mock-up of it, and... It is railed off, so it's not even like I thought where you'd be wandering around, which I guess makes sense because if you're walking around with VR goggles on, you're not going to be able to see people around you. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's two players sitting in seats, and they're railed off around it, 
and then there's screens all around. So I guess people that aren't playing can see what's going on in the game. It says other games published by Sony v- Pictures VR have included Ghostbusters Dimension in collaboration with The Void, Spider-Man Homecoming VR, Spider-Man Far From Home VR, Men in Black First Assignment in collaboration with Dreamscape, and Zombieland Headshot Fever. That it's not saying a cost, and I'm not seeing any locations as to where it will be. There's no release date as yet for the game either, from the article. Huh. It's all forthcoming, but it definitely sounds like a fun experience. Question is, will it hold up or not? But next up is from Screen Rant. Sleepy Hollow Reboot in the works from Paramount. Paramount? Uh, I think it's a show. Paramount Pictures is reportedly working on a reboot for the classic horror title Sleepy Hollow with Lindsay Beer attached as director. It might be the film. How can they redo something that, I mean, Johnny Depp was awesome in that role as Ichabod Crane. I mean, come on. Oh, the rain has hit here. I can hear it now. I don't know if I mentioned that we're we've had some thunder clapping before we started recording here, and now we are hearing the rain outside. So if anybody hears it pounding against my roof, but yeah, it, it does look like it's going to be a new movie version. Did, didn't Paramount do the last one? I'm sure they did. Because usually they reboot from their own and it's not saying that it's acquired the rights. But to to give perspective where you said, how are they redoing it? The novel was written 202 years ago. Yeah. It was out in 1820. So... Many iterations uh, have been done and will still continue to be done. So, yeah, it's plenty of room for another version. And I would like to see somebody's take other than Tim Burton. Because Tim Burton is a little bit too dark on things. So, You didn't like his version? I did. I just... There are certain things that Tim Burton has done that I thought he just went off the rails too dark on. and I didn't care for Nightmare Before Christmas. And there were a couple other Tim Burton films. I didn't really care for Batman Returns. So, But we will see as that one gets closer as to how it all falls out. But next up from Variety, Apple orders drama series Sugar. Starring Colin Farrell from writer Mark Protosevich. Let me see. Exact plot details for the show remain under wraps, aside from the fact that it is described as a genre-bending contemporary take on the private detective story set in Los Angeles. So, for those with Apple TV, that will be something to look forward to. 
That's me. <laughs> I don't have Apple TV. More casting news this week. The Independent is reporting Neil Patrick Harris announced as new Doctor Who cast member in the role of the villain for the upcoming series. It says Harris is already filming scenes set to air in 2023 as part of the show's 60th anniversary. I love Neil Patrick Harris. He's good. I really like him. It says Russell T. Davies, showrunner, wrote in a statement, It's my huge honor to open our studio doors for the mighty Neil Patrick Harris. But who? Why? What is he playing? You'll just have to wait. But I promised you, the stuff we're shooting now is off the scale. Doctor beware. And if I'm not mistaken, Russell T. Davies was the creator of Queer as Folk in Britain. Let me see here. Yes, he was. And he also did It's a Sin, which is on HBO Max. And I still cannot suggest enough to watch It's a Sin. Fantastic series. Details the the onset and struggles of HIV in Britain. And each episode's a different year. So I did not realize that Russell T. Davies was working on Doctor Who though, so and I saw that and I was like, we're gonna be reviewing the new Queers folk later on. Figured I'd mention that as well. But more casting news is for Muppet and Mayhem, the new Disney Plus series coming with Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem Band. Uh, let's see. It says this comes from Variety. I'm reading this from avclub.com. This comes from Variety, which says Anders Holm and Sarah Chandri have joined the previously cast Lily Singh and Taj Maori, with all of them apparently playing humans. Singh is playing a, quote, driven young music executive trying to guide the, quote, old-school Muppet band through the, quote, current-day music scene. Audrey is playing the younger sister of Singh's character, who is, quote, arguably more accomplished because of her social media prowess and huge fan following. Holm, who will just be a, quote, recurring guest star, is the ex-boyfriend of Singh's character, a, quote, (laughs) formerly sheepish, nerdy intern-turned-uber-cool tech entrepreneur, who hopes to win his ex back. So, you know, I love my Muppets, so I will be watching this, at least giving it a shot. I tried watching that one series they had on there. and It was just, I don't know. It was not what I would want in a Muppet show. They were too much involved with the internet in the show. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about, but I couldn't get far into that series. But I did like Muppets Tonight, and I did like the, what was it, Muppets Now or whatever that ABC did a few years ago, and of course the Muppet Show original. That See, was I just, I just watched the Muppet Show when I was a kid, and um, any kind of special Muppet shows that come up, like, you know, uh, 
the Christmas special, you know, Christmas Carol, you know, stuff like that. I'm not an avid like fan. I have to watch everything that they come out with. I'm, I'm not one of them. Well, the Muppets have long been allies to the LGBT community. And one thing that always proved that to me was in the Muppets Wizard of Oz. If you haven't seen it, it's a very good take on the story, The Wizard of Oz. But there is one scene where they're going in to meet the wizard. And the wizard asks, who are you? And Dorothy goes, I'm Dorothy. And then Kermit and the gang come in and they go, and we're friends of Dorothy. Which, for those in the know, know that is old slang for being gay to be a friend of Dorothy. We're friends of Dorothy. (laughs) I busted out laughing as soon as I heard that. And I was like, oh, it's fantastic. And Queen Latifah was Annie M. So, I mean, like all Muppet films, you get a good quality cast in it. I would like to see that, Chris. Where, where can I, uh, I yeah, I'm pretty sure that. you can watch it on Disney+. Plus. Well, I can't access Disney Plus on anything that I'm looking on right now because everything's being used. So, uh, I'll have to look at that later. Well, I've, I've got more for you. And this, if you were able to stream live TV at home, you would be very happy about. Variety today announcing the new Pluto TV channel, which also Pluto tweeted out the new channel themselves. Transformers now has a 24-hour free live streaming channel for fans of the Alien Robot franchise. Really? I believe it is channel 1012 on Pluto TV. It's in the kids section. The The article reads, content on Transformers TV includes such fan favorites as Transformers Bumblebee Cyberverse Adventures, Transformers Prime, and Transformers Robots in Disguise. I turned it on briefly because I'm not a big fan of the continued adventures of the Transformers, we'll say. I'm a huge fan of Generation 1. Yes. I was like, nothing ever said anything about Generation 1 being on this channel. So I turned it there, and is I think Transformers Cyberverse was what was showing, but they showed a commercial talking about the channel itself. And in the commercial, you could see clips from Transformers Generation 1. So I'm taking that to mean that all the animated universe of Transformers will be available on Pluto TV. Not swearing, but I'm guessing that's the case. And, you know, I was was also a big fan of the GoBots, and a lot of people call them the the generic Transformers, but I loved both when I was a kid. Had both. They They were both quality. You know what I said? You know what I always said when I was little? Because I, I collected Transformers. I said, GoBots are for poor people. <laughs> I well, said it's, I, both of them. I said it's the GoBots is for, is the poor, poor, uh, is the poor version of, uh, and I was poor growing up because I had to save like my coins to buy like Starscream. Lower, and back then, Starscream was only like, uh, 
I have an original Starscream, and the and the and the box said twelve ninety nine. Now the original Starscream goes for over two hundred bucks. Well, I had a bunch of them. the The one thing that I never did get was the complete collection of the the connector transformers. Each of like the Decepticons, the, the Constructicons, yeah. See, I got the Devastator. I had that. That's the Constructicons. Um, I'm in the process of collecting all of those again. So, my cousin had Omega Supreme. Oh, Omega I, Supreme rocks. I had Omega, or, um, Skylinks, and I don't know if you remember him or not, but it was two pieces. It was a space shuttle. And the bottom turned into the links and the shuttle turned into like a pterodactyl or something. And you could com- connect those two together to where the pterodactyl was on legs. And I had Optimus Prime and what was the the one that was like Optimus Prime but it was white and then you transformed the trailer and put the white robot into the trailer part. Was it um, Omega Supreme? No, um, no, Omega Supreme was the round base with yeah, the... That was Omega, that was Omega was, Supreme. Um, it was somebody... Uh... See here, I'll look it up. Okay, but and and I've got the complete animated series and movie of the Transformers, and I went to the theater back in the day and saw the Transformers the movie when it came out, and I also have on DVD the complete series of the GoBots. And do you know what animation studio? Did the GoBots? No. One of the most prestigious animated studios in history. Hit me with it. I will give you some names of things they produced. The Super Friends. Johnny Quest. The Jetsons. The Flintstones. Hanna-Barbera? Yes. Really? Really? Hanna-Barbera did the GoBots, which I really wish that was one thing that they would add to HBO Max is the GoBots series. Because they have digitized them, so there's no reason why they shouldn't in my book. But there's a lot of things that HBO Max is not putting on that I think they should. Like, for instance, live streaming channels. I just... That, to me, just seems like a no-brainer to add revenue to your app without having to pass the charge on to your viewers. Because like I said the other week, they can have the live stream with ads and then have the on-demand with ads if you choose that tier or without ads if you don't. But the live stream is always with ads and get that revenue that way. But anyways, moving on from CBR.com, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse release reveals its interdimensional villain, The Spot. 
And me being a Spider-Man fan, I have never heard of the spot before. This article reads, the spot is labeled as, quote, Miles Morales's most formidable foe yet. Alongside the unveiling of the interdimensional baddie, Sony Pictures Animation confirmed the character's spooky design with a new steal from across the Spider-Verse. The image sees Miles accidentally striking Gwen Stacy, suited up as Spider-Woman, by kicking into one of the many portals spread across the spot's body. Voiced by Jason Schwartzman, it's currently unknown how the spot will play into the greater narrative of the upcoming Spider-Man movie. And the the picture's actually really cool. Because where it says that it shows Miles kicking the spot in a spot and then his foot coming out of the portal kicking Gwen, she's quite a distance away. So if you had a chance, look at the picture. It's a really good picture. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was such a fantastic film. Did you ever watch it? And you talk about the animated one? Yes. Yeah, I watched it. I absolutely love that movie. I think it is the best Spider-Man film released to theaters to date. But speaking of Spider-Man, Deadline's reporting Spider- Spider-Man No Way Home, the more fun stuff version with added and extended scenes to swing into theaters in September. Are you kidding me? Come on. Well, they want to get it across a billion dollars in the United States, and this is a way to do it. Across a billion dollars in the world, possibly. starting Friday, September 2nd. says, in celebration of 60 years of the Spider-Man comic book character and 20 years of Spider-Man films, Sony announced today that a fan cut of its massive hit Spider-Man No Way Home, dubbed Spider-Man No Way Home, the more stuff, the more fun stuff version, will hit theaters this Labor Day holiday in the U.S. and Canada with added and extended scenes. Other countries will be added soon, according to a post on Sony's social media. And it's not detailing how much longer it's going to be, how many more scenes there are, if it changes the story any. But, you know, it's not the first time Marvel has re-released a film in a different version because there was Once Upon a Deadpool that came out at Christmas. I don't remember that. They reworked the film Deadpool and Deadpool had kidnapped Fred Savage and taped him down in the bed and then did a whole bride spoof where he was reading the story of Deadpool to Fred Savage in the bed. Kind of like Grandpa was reading to Fred Savage and the Princess Bride. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... I mean, it's it's a fun movie to see, but I don't know that it's worth the purchase. So, because it's cut down to a PG-13 from the R. See, that's just... Where is Spider-Man No Way Home right now? The box office ratings. Oh, I'll find out because I don't have it pulled up. But we'll we'll discuss that in the, the next part. Okay. Because so, I always do the, the top 10 films, so we'll get to that. Next up from Krypton's site. This thrills me, and I know a girl that I work with is going to be happy about it. Paul probably won't care. But Rosenbaum and Willing to launch Talkville 
Smallville Rewatch Podcast. It is to premiere in July. Yeah, I'm Tom, Tom Willing, who played Clark Kent, and Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex Luthor, apparently will be re-watching the episodes and discussing them for this podcast. And for me, that's a huge deal. So that's at least 216, 217 episodes. I can't remember how many they did. But if they do one episode per show, they're guaranteed, if they go through all of them, to get over 200 episodes of their podcast. Yeah, I'm not excited about that. Oh, I'm very excited about that. And in the DC Comics world, this is from Collider.com. Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. Bruce Campbell to write six-issue miniseries for DC Comics. Set in 1944, Sergeant Rock and his East Company will take on their scariest foes scariest foe yet, Nazi zombies. Huh. Now, that one, I'm interested in. Nazi zombies, okay. I mean, it's, it's World War II, and I've said many times how much I enjoy a good World War II story. And... Well, you should enjoy them. I mean, you should be like... Well, I mean, for, they are entertaining. And I I enjoy them for all the right reasons. Oh, I'm thinking about the actual history of it. So, yeah. um, But you're thinking like the more the fictitious parts of it. You know, it's, it's still a lot of fact in what I watch. See, I'm... Anytime there's a special like on A&E or, or History Channel... I'm on it, watching the Hitler stuff and the World War II stuff. I can't stop watching it because I want to know more about it. Yeah. I I will still say one of the best series I've ever seen centered around World War II is World on Fire. And if you, if you donate to PBS, you can watch it on their app. And I highly, highly recommend to everybody to watch World on Fire. The first season was seven episodes. Supposed to be another season, but COVID hit after the first season and they have yet to get back to filming them. No word on when there will be a second second season was ordered. So, but then also Band of Brothers on HBO. I don't know if you ever saw that. But that is a fantastic series. And I literally bawled during it because there was one part where they, and kind of spoilers here, but I mean, you know, history, you know what happens. The, the Americans liberate one of the Jewish concentration camps. And the actors in the show literally look like they have been starved for months. They are so emaciated looking. And the the soldiers are trying to give them cheese. And another soldier says to the soldier, you can't give them food because they'll eat too much and die. Wow. And just seeing that visual and hearing that statement, it is so powerful. And I was crying so hard during that. Chris? That's Ultra Magnus. Ultra Magnus? Yep. I knew it was something. 
Ultra Supreme, something like that. So it's Ultra Magnus, who it is, and he's very expensive right now. But but anyway, next up announcement today. This is the Hollywood Reporter. Paul's ears. You know they've they've announced that they're doing a sequel to Joker. Did you see who is now in talks to play Harley Quinn in the musical sequel? Lady Gaga. Well, see, I was thinking about Lady Gaga, and I was like, you know, um, we'll talk about that when we go to the movie part. So, um, but anyways, that's cool. I like her. She's a very good actress, and she's got a very good voice to her. I just, I, I'm still torn on this, and making it a musical is even worse because Joker is a horrible, horrible villain, like murderer, psychotic, everything. And it's like I said about the first one; they kind of made him the sympathetic hero, and he is not in the least bit heroic. So, I just, I don't know if they should make a sequel. I know it made a ton of money and they're going to, but it just doesn't seem like the best idea to me. Chris? Yeah? Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Nope. I I always ask that of my praise. You know where that came from, don't you? (laughs) Yes, Jack Nicholson's Joker from the first Batman. I don't know of anybody who doesn't know where that came from. I just did had you, to say that. Did you have any other news you want to talk about, or? Um, no, I'm just having complete meltdown over here. By the way, but no, but I'm okay. I'm I'm making it through it. Uh, you're like me the other week. I up... me. This stuff has hit me about every two weeks now. I'll be fine, and I'll, I'll just like every two or three weeks, here it comes. Get attacked again by these allergies. that brings us to our sad part of the show now this one the first up is a tweet from Jim Lee today June 13th at 1.35pm I regret to share the very sad news that the legendary artist Tim Sale has been admitted to the hospital with severe health issues Tim I am praying for you buddy stay strong and know that your legions of fans around the world loves and cherishes you and your amazing talent. There's no details on what illness has caused Tim Sale to be in the hospital. Tim Sale is probably best known for being the artist on the long Halloween from Batman, which is a really good Batman story. And they did it as a two-part animated movie which is available on HBO Max for anybody who would like to watch it. But as it doesn't sound good the way Jim Lee wrote it. No, it sounds kind of like get your goodbyes prepared. Yeah. So. We just lost George Perez not too long ago. So it's another big blow to the comics industry. And with that, we come to the actual stories of those that we have lost. First up, this is from The Guardian. 
Former Dragon's Den star Hillary Devi dies aged 65. Uh, says she died on Saturday after a long illness in Morocco where she had a property, said her publicist Benjamin Webb. There was the BBC Two program Dragon's Den that she joined in 2011 and went on to present Channel 4's The Intern in 2012. So for fans of British television, they've probably got a good idea of who she was. Also, for animation lovers, this one is really sad, even if you're not a fan of the animation. This is from USA Today. Pokemon voice actor Billy Kometz dies from colon cancer at 35. Oh my god. Colon cancer at 35 years old and he's dead? That's rare. Michael reads, Billy Kometz, an, an actor known for his voice work in anime series and video games, died Thursday from colon cancer. The Pennsylvania native was 35. Kometz's family revealed his death in an update to his GoFundMe page on Saturday. And that just brings up a whole other can of worms. Here he is. The voice actor in major animated programs and video games. And I'll read some of them here in a little bit. Had to have a GoFundMe set up to pay for his medical treatment. There's something wrong there. When even a television celebrity can't afford to pay their hospital costs. Either that or they're just used to a certain level of um, of a lifestyle and they want to keep that up. Well, that makes sense. I mean, colon cancer is not cheap to treat. But the fact that insurance doesn't help better than that, that's my point. We need a major overhaul on insurance in this country. And, of course, we know who keeps pushing that back. But it says, commence voice characters in the show's Pokemon, Neon Genesis, Attack on Titan, The Seven Deadly Sins, Beasters, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and more. His voice is also behind video game characters in Marvel Avengers Academy, Epic Seven, and The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. Outside of voice work, Kometz played Aladdin in Disney's Aladdin Musical Spectacular for the final year of the show's run. So, you know you've heard at least one of those titles along the way. Oh, yeah. And finally, from The Independent... Philip Baker Hall, Magnolia and Modern Family Actor, dies aged 90. And he's one you may not know the name, but as soon as you see the face, you will know who he is. Says, in a tweet, Los Angeles Times sports writer Farmer wrote, and that is Sam Farmer, my neighbor, friend, and one of the wisest, most talented, and kindest people I've ever met, Philip Baker Hall, died peacefully last night. He was surrounded by loved ones. The world has an empty space in it. And it says, Hall had a prolific career in Hollywood, boasting 185 film and TV credits, according to IMDb. 
He is known for his work with Paul Thomas Anderson in Boogie Nights and Magnolia, for a turn in Seinfeld as the theme-stealing library cop Lieutenant Bookman. So, lots of stuff there for you to look through and watch with him. And I mean, he's one of those just, like I said, instantly recognizable as soon as you see him. But to name, I couldn't name anything right off the top of my head that he was in. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of the first half. So we will be back. Paul will be reviewing the latest Bond film, and we will discuss why. And I don't know if he actually watched it, but the the assignment this week was to watch Queer as Folk and review it. And of course, he didn't watch it. I hated so, it then. I hate it now. You might not. But anyway, I'm also going to discuss DC's Pride 2022 book that just came out this past week. Available both on fans and if you are a subscriber to DC Universe Infinite. So... Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. And Paul, you were asking about Spider-Man No Way Home. So I've got the, the top 10 coming here in just a minute from Box Office Mojo. But first off, I did not see the Batman on the top 47 films at all. And Spider-Man dropped from 35 to 38, $5,859 after 26 weeks of release, $804,777,667. Now, is that in the U.S. or is that worldwide? That's U.S. What's worldwide? Uh, I'd have to go off the screen to see. Oh, okay. Go ahead. And Fantastic Beasts dropped from 13 to 16, with under $95,000 after nine weeks, almost 95 and three quarter, or yeah, almost 95 and three quarter million. But for the top 10, a debut that is seemingly Middle Eastern film by the title, and I have no clue about it, and I'm promising I'm not going to get the name right. But number 10 is Anti. Sundarankniki. Try saying that five times fast, huh? But $620,000. I have never heard of it and I cannot expand further. They don't even have a distributor on the chart. Whereas other places like Paramount, Universal, stuff like that are listed. It is NA on their distributor. Huh. Down from to nine is Sonic the Hedgehog 2 with three quarter of a million in its 10th week. Almost 190 million total. Well, here's a shocker. Jumping from 21 to 8. What? Firestarter. The movie we reviewed a few weeks ago on Peacock. Firestarter has jumped from 21 to 8 with $833,340 after five weeks of release. How did it do that? 
nine and a quarter million so far to date. And fifth weekend is where it really picked up. It went up 732.8%, and it's on 150 screens. It did that much in 150 screens? Yes. To give you perspective, Jurassic World Dominion, the number one movie spoiler, 4,676 screens. Firestarter, 150 screens, five weeks in release, available on Peacock with a subscription jumps from 21 to 8. That is amazing. I wonder what happened. I don't know, but maybe everything else was sold out and they got a really good deal on this movie. I don't know, but $833,340 on a film that you can watch at home on TV that's not that great to begin with, let's be honest. That's pretty amazing for that film. Put it to you this way, I can barely remember watching it. Yeah, it's it was okay. It wasn't I mean it's worth a watch if you can see it as your subscription service. Yeah. That's the best way I can put it. But down from six to seven, everything everywhere all at once. One point three million after twelve weeks, sixty-three million dollars. Down from five to six, Downton Abbey, a new era. One and a quarter, one and three quarter million after four weeks, forty million dollars total. Down from three to five, the Bob's Burgers movie, almost two and a half million after three weeks, almost twenty-seven and a quarter million. Holding steady at four, the Bad Guys, two and a half million after eight weeks, almost ninety-two million dollars to date. Down from two to three, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, almost five and a quarter million after six weeks. Two million shy of four hundred million. Wow. Down from one to two, <clears throat> Gun Maverick still pulling in major money. Fifty one million eight hundred fifty five thousand three hundred and forty four dollars in its third weekend. Three hundred ninety five million one hundred ninety nine thousand two hundred and eighty dollars total. And as I said earlier, and no big shock. The number one movie is Jurassic World Dominion, and its opening weekend brought in over $145 million. That's pretty good for some dinosaurs. Now, I'm going back down here because you asked what Spider-Man No Way Home is doing worldwide. Um, it's better worldwide. $804,777,667 in America. International total is 57.7% of its total gross, $1,096,439,073 on the international market. So it broke the billion-dollar mark. What are they trying to do? No, that's worldwide. I'm saying they want to break a billion dollars in America. Oh yeah, but still yet, they've made a billion dollars with the movie. Well, they're going to break a billion dollars with the, the more fun stuff version. But, it's going to have to do more. It's going to have to do about a two hundred million dollars. But an, another thing I want to point out here: it's down to thirty-five screens from down one hundred and fifteen from last week, and its fourth weekend it's on thirty-five screens. Two thousand mules, the piece of crap film that it is, 
after four weeks of release, has not hit one and a half million dollars yet. I don't even know what that is. That's the 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 election steal movie. Oh, that's the one that William Barr was talking about in his in his interview today. That the the pre taped interview. Yeah, that he watched it out of curiosity. So apparently, there's not many people curious about it because to only make it less than a million and a half in. <clears throat> Four weeks, not doing too good there. And with that, I'm going to let Paul take this, this trail here for a minute and let him review No Time to Die, which is available now on Prime. Metacritic has it at 68%. IMDb has it 7.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 83% on the tomato meter with 417 reviews. And after over 10,000 verified ratings, the audience score is at 88%. Now, just forewarning that said that we would talk about why I didn't watch later. I told Paul when he told me this is what he watched, that I stopped watching Bond after Die Another Day because it was a Bond film with Madonna in it. Madonna did the theme song. Madonna was actually in the movie as the fencing instructor. And I hated Die Another Day. So since then, when me, the huge Madonna fan, can't even get behind a Madonna Bond film, I'm just done with the franchise. So Paul watched it. Paul, you review it. You're Paul, you're silent. You're not coming through right now. All right, am I back? There you go. <clears throat> yeah, my screen went blank. As in true Bond fashion, um, you had to watch the... Actually, you had to go back and watch the previous two Bond films uh, to understand what's going on in No Time to Die. Um, you had to go back and watch... Um, there was uh, Skyfall, then Spectre, and then this film. They all kind of tie in together. Um in this film, of course, this is this is the one that they actually had to beg um, Daniel Craig to do because they really wanted him to do this film. So they had to put their money where their mouth was. They, I think that he ended up getting eighty million dollars for this film plus residuals, and he is worth every bit of it in this film, doing his own stunts and everything. He's kind of like um, Tom Cruise in that in that effect, uh, where he's doing his own stunts. <clears throat> So this movie, I really, really enjoyed it. It's well over, it's over two hours long. Um, it kind of, I, I don't want to spoil it too much, but this movie is, um, I, I, it's action-packed. It's freaking phenomenal. It has star power in it. Uh, it. There's some old people that come up from the past. It comes in. Uh, Ralph Fiennes is in it. Uh, Rafe Fiennes. Uh, it says Ralph. It's pronounced Rafe. Oh, whatever. Ralph Fiennes is in it. Rafe. <laughs> Get it right, Pally. Uh, there's Rami Malek. He's in it. He's been in a lot of movies. And, uh, of course, Daniel Craig. Um, 
it's um this is kind of like a they he it started out with him retired of course and then all hell breaks loose going on with mi6 and stuff and so he comes out of semi-retirement and comes back on the scene and in the process they already got a new 007 and it's a woman so they're calling her 007 which now he's back in the scene they're like uh, what are we going to call him so she relinquishes the title to him for him to be called 007 again so it's um really good bond film uh, I, I can't rave about it enough it's um and i know chris i wish you would have gave this film a chance chris because it was well also you good. said i had to watch the previous films for it to make sense and so i would that's what i'm saying i wish you but then again who would have thought that you wouldn't watch the rest of the bond films because the bond you know skyfall is awesome i would have watched the rest of the bond films well, Daniel Craig as Bond as James Bond is an awesome. I did not think I would like him as a James Bond character, but he really knocks it out of the ballpark with this. So, um, am I dis- am I allowed to discuss what happens at the end? Well, you'll spoil it for the people that haven't seen it. So, well, I ain't going to tell you what happens at the end. So, but anyways, I enjoyed it. Um, I know I keep saying that if you want a film it's going to be having exotic sports cars in it because there's a lot of exotic sports cars in this car and this movie um, a lot of shooting explosions this is it I love it this is like the ultimate man film so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it four stars that's how much I enjoyed it I love it yeah I will connect it to Pride for you, since the assignment was supposed to be Pride-based Yeah, there was a, there was a game scene in it, yeah. Well, beyond that, you have Rami Malek, who, of course, played very famously, won the Oscar for Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. But something people won't remember, and I do, <clears throat> there was a sitcom on Fox. About 20 years ago, I think. I've got it pulled up here. I don't know if it says the date. So, yeah, the pilot was September 11th, 2005. Rami Malik played the character of Kenny. And Michael Rappaport played the father of Larry, who was Kenny's best friend. So, Kenny was over at their house a lot. In the second season, Kenny got kicked out of his house and came to live with the Gold family because he was gay. And it ran two seasons. I wish that they would put it on somewhere. The network was Fox. I don't know who. It was Warner Brothers Television. So HBO Max, again, would be a perfect home for this show with an Academy Award winning actor in one of his early roles, which would draw interest. Hello, HBO Max. You need to start listening to me. But anyways, it was two seasons. I really enjoyed the show and never expected Rami Malek's character, Kenny, to be gay when I started watching it. But it progressed, and it it progressed well, if if I remember correctly, the way they introduced that storyline. 
So if you get the chance, I do recommend seeing The War at Home. I know the first season is available on DVD if you can still find it. And also, if you get the chance, it's for, um, No Time to Die is showing finally showing free on Hulu. With a subscription. Not exactly well, free. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta be, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You gotta be subscribed to Hulu to watch it. So, which and, I actually found it this weekend. I'm like, oh my god, it's finally I can watch this. And then Paul completely ignored the assignment, which was to watch at least the first episode of the new series Queer as Folk, which is now on Peacock. All eight episodes. I will say we ended up watching all eight in one night. It it held the interest. First up, IMDb has it 5.8 out of 10 after 632 reviews. Rotten Tomatoes, the average tomato meter has 92%, whereas the audience score is at 47%. Does not say out of how many reviews. There are some definite problems with this show. One is very bland. I'm going to kind of spoil without spoiling, because if you've seen the trailer, you you know that Babylon gets shot up. And it's at the end of the first episode. And there is the boy on stage performing drag. He sees the shooter come in. And the guy in the audience that's the main star of the show sees his face, turns around and looks and sees the shooter. Well, and I'm echoing again, Paul, a little bit, I think. So, but anyways, the, he sees the shooter and as it progresses, you see him run up on stage and tackle the boy down. He gets shot in the arm, and this is where I have a problem. He gets shot in the arm. Yes, it can be painful. I understand that. But it sends him unconscious. A shot in the arm, like a bullet, one bullet in the arm. Like, just about where the smallpox vaccination. Well, well, you know, people have different tolerances of pain. Yeah, but, I mean, it's... It's not like any vital organ is getting shot right here. It's muscle. And you ever been shot before? No. And I said I understand it's very painful, but yeah. It just it was not that believable. And one of the characters from the first episode does get shot in the club, so they do and they have a vigil in one of the episodes and I wish I could remember which one it was and I didn't pull it up while I was watching them, but they show the crowd at one point and there's a group of three in the crowd and either they are the absolute greatest actors I've ever seen or they were legitimate family members or friends of someone who's been lost because the grief on their face was so undeniably real 
I mean, I even rewound it and showed Lamar. I was like, look at this. This is real grief. So for them to be excellent and have that level of acting ability, it makes me think they were maybe survivors from Pulse. That's what I was saying. Did you did you think they were trying to recreate Pulse? Well, I mean, that's obviously the inspiration for that part. But because you know the anniversary of Pulse was this past Sunday, it was yesterday. Well, I didn't even realize that. Six years, yeah. But the the other issue that I will take with this show is that. It almost it's like they tried to get all five seasons of the Showtime series in eight episodes of this series. Because you said you didn't watch it, and spoiler for anybody out there that didn't watch this show 20 years ago, but it's a 20-year-old show, so I'm going to spoil it. In the fifth season, Cindy Lauper is performing at Club Babylon when there was a a hate crime terrorist that set off a bomb in the club. Thankfully, Cindy Lauper got out. But they that's kind of the, the shooting at this club. Um, there, there are some spoiler details, but if you watch this after you've seen the original show, you'll understand what I'm saying. There's a lot of major storylines from that series it's like they put them all into this series. And I, I just feels like they've rushed a lot. Like, take your time. Develop the characters more. And yes, there is a lot of sex, in, and especially in the first few episodes. And so, if you can't get past that, then you know, I don't even know why you're watching it in the first place, but that was the whole intent of this series. And the acting is very good. Unlike Fire Island, you can actually find redeeming qualities in these characters. Whereas Fire Island, there was nothing redeemable about anybody in that movie. It was cute and funny. Uh, I disagree. I ended up hating every character in that movie. Even the likable characters I hated. But... Yeah, and for for you, Paul, something that you missed in this, the drag number that was being performed when the club got shot up was probably something you'd have been interested in. Why? It was for Ruza Balk from The Craft. I don't know what that is. You didn't watch The Craft? You love Charmed, and you've never watched the the movie that basically inspired it. Nope. You need to watch The Craft. I know The Craft is a series. No, The Craft was a movie. It had Nev Campbell in it. Really? It's got Nev Campbell in it? And Feruza Bach was in it. I can't believe you did not watch The Craft. My iPad is disconnected again. I'll have to look that up. When you get the chance, 
I highly recommend watching it. But yeah, this queerest folk, the bridge or the the peacock version. It has its moments that are really good. It has some funny parts. You do get some interest in the characters as it goes along. And I'm sitting here trying to go through these and figure out which episode. I'm just gonna pull up a couple of them, but where they they do the the vigils, so I can see if it says anything about that while I'm talking about it. But is it the greatest show? No. Is it worth a watch? I very much say so. And there's not even any trivia on this episode, so it's probably not going to tell me if those were actual. And I really don't know how to find that information as to whether or not the people grieving at the, the vigil were legitimately grieving or not. I might have to try and find people on social media and see if they can tell me. Because, I mean, honestly, if, if you could see the faces of the three, and especially two of them, but there were three there together, and the two of them, I could not believe that they're acting. So, like I said, I don't know if they were in the Pulse nightclub when it got shot, if they had somebody who was shot and killed in Pulse nightclub, if they had some other gun violence in their life, or if they're just really that good of an actor. But to be an extra and that good, they really need to be looked at in the future for major projects. Yeah. But, but yeah, there's there is recognizable talent in this. <clears throat> uh, for those who watched Grey's Anatomy, I didn't. Devin Way was on Grey's Anatomy, apparently. He <clears throat> is Brody, the main character in this. Finn Argus plays Mingus, who is the son of Juliette Lewis. Um, Kim Cattrall plays the adoptive mother of Brody, which it's clear that they're not... That his parents are not his birth parents because his parents are Kim Cattrall and Ed Begley Jr. And Devin Way is a black actor. So... Uh, but Jesse James Keitel, if you watch Big Sky, that is the transgender character on Big Sky and on Queer's Folk plays the character Ruthie. And something that I didn't quite get, I, I understand why they did it, but I didn't get why they did it at the same token was they had a flashback of when Ruthie was still a male without transitioning. And every time anybody in the flashback said that name, the name that he was given at birth, they beeped it. That's weird. Yeah, and I mean, I understand that they're showing that this is not who... The person is, they were mislabeled, 
and they don't want that name associated with them. But by the same token, it's kind of distracting from what's going on because every time they say the male name, they're beeping it. And that's just a major distraction, especially when you're saying every word in the book and having full frontal nudity and full on sex in the show. But you're going to bleep the name that they were given at birth. So, but um, Eric Grace, I've seen in other things, and played Marvin, who was in the wheelchair. And I'm looking him up real quick. Lock and Key. He was in Lock and Key, which final season's coming in August. The Tomorrow War with Tom Cruise. Uh, He was in a couple episodes of The Walking Dead, uncredited, though. He was Crawling Cot Walker and Falling Walker in The Walking Dead. And he was in Step Up High Water, the series, which I didn't even know existed. 17 episodes. He played King. So a lot of talent in this one. And of course, with Juliette Lewis in it, I'm automatically interested. Because I don't know if you saw it. She did a series on ABC a few years back called Secrets and Lies. And the first season had Ryan Phillippe in it. And she was investigating him for the murder of the child. And it was a fantastic series. In the second season, it was the first season, she's a detective in Charlotte. The second season still takes place in Charlotte, but has ties to Boone. So it was kind of local, but not being local. But they definitely use the Charlotte skyline in it because that was it the Duke Energy building that's kind of the diamond shape. It is. Yeah, they, that was in the skyline on the show. But you got Ed, like I said, Ed Bagley Jr. was in it, and he was on St. Elsewhere, which is the greatest hospital drama ever made in my book. So, like I said, a lot of good talent and. I definitely think it's worth checking out. It's not as good as the Showtime series. And like I said, they they did too much in this first season. Instead of spending more time fleshing out the characters and the stories, we just kind of threw everything in that you had seen in all five seasons. And I can't even remember how many episodes of the original Career's Folk. But that and... The, the hard to believe where went unconscious from the the gunshot Let's see 83 episodes in the original well the showtime queers folk so 83 episodes of content and you've taken the highlights and put them into eight episodes see my point there it's it's rushed but All in all, I enjoyed it. I'll probably watch it again somewhere down the line. I'll give it a three. And that brings me to the new DC Pride 2022 from DC Universe. And 
well, DC Universe Infinite now because when they got rid of the video, they added Infinite. The 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 description on the site says DC's 2022 celebration kicks off with more stories, more characters, and more pride than ever before. This this anthology features 13 all new stories spotlighting LGBTQIA plus fan favorites, new and old, including Superman, John Kent, Nubia. She's one of the Amazons from Themyscira. Tim Drake, Robin, Kid Quick, Aquaman, Jackson Hyde, Green Lantern, Joe Moline, Alicia Yo, The Ray, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Batwoman, and more. The special also includes a multiversity teen justice kickoff story spotlighting Kid Quick and written by the miniseries team Danny Lore and Ivan Cohen. An introduction by activist, actress, and real-life superhero Nicole Maines that will include a teaser for her upcoming Dreamer project, pinups by P. Greg, Craig Russell, J.J. Kirby, and more. And Nicole Maines, that wrote the introduction, played Dreamer on Supergirl. And I have to say, this issue is much better than last year's. I enjoyed the stories better. They, they did some that were just straight-out stories with the LGBTQIA plus characters. They did some that were very centric on the, the storyline of being gay. And they didn't even use Midnight or Apollo in either one that I remember. But I really enjoyed this. I thought they did a really good job. If you're a DC fan that's not stuck up your own ass and can't open your mind to this, then you will enjoy it. Stuck but up your own ass. Pretty much. I mean, it's just it's hate keeping you from enjoying something like this. And like I said, the stories are strong. I very much recommend it. Go to your local comic store, pick a copy up if you can. It's $9.99. It's a graphic novel, a hundred and some pages, and worth every penny. And Whereas some people say that companies are just jumping on the bandwagon to get our money at Pride. To some extent, I agree with that. But by the same token, when they're doing that, they're creating acceptance by putting it out there everywhere and showing that it's an okay thing. And what people need to remember and take away from Pride is nobody chooses to be LGBTQIA+. Any more than they choose to be straight. And for anybody who says that you don't choose to be straight, you just are. Well, that's the same logic that applies to being part of the LGBT community. You don't choose it. You just are. And for anybody... Let let me say this real quick, and you can. Anybody hating on a transgender person because they weren't the sex that they were born as... Put yourself in their shoes. Imagine being so confused in your life that you feel you are in the wrong body and how hard that would be to deal with and then have to deal with the ridicule of people around you not accepting it. Just put yourself in their shoes. Yes, Paul? Um, People can choose to be a freak, though. What I say about that is I've got a, one of my friends is a straight, for a straight friend of mine. 
he will screw anything coming and going. <laughs> he don't care that's what not it necessarily is. Freak. That's a slut. Men, women, whatever. As long as he can stick it in something, he's going to do it. <laughs> so, anyways, that's what I was going to say. He's a, you know, he's a freak. So, well, <clears throat> and as far as the, have the you seen DC, the? Have I seen what? Especially the transgender hate that's going on right now, especially in the right wing. Oh yeah. On. And, and you know, I, I got into something and I finally told them I'm not reading anything they're saying because this is going nowhere. But at one point they said that I was a pedophile because I wanted children to be educated about the LGBTQIA lifestyle because the part that he didn't take away from this was teen suicide is still extremely high, if not the highest rate in the LGBT community. If we can start educating at a younger age and letting them know that they're not bad and they're not wrong and let people that don't feel that way realize that the people that do are not bad and not wrong, then maybe we can stop a lot of those suicides. Well, the guy that was arguing with me and wouldn't hear logic called me a pedophile. And I wish I could remember who he was. Because I want to say to him now, which is actually a pedophile? The one wanting to educate children against hate and hating themselves, or the one that wants to go and inspect children's genitals just to play sports? Because that is a law they are passing now. Children playing sports can have their genitals inspected to make sure they're the right sex that they're playing as. That's disgusting. Yes, it is. And it makes you wonder exactly who decides who needs to be checked and how do you keep actual pedophiles from going after the job of coach now? Because you're giving them free reign to observe these children for no reason. You're you're silent again. Sorry about that. Went blank. They these children need help from the very beginning. Yes they do. And people like Ron DeSantis. Uh, I just can't understand him. That man embodies evil. Mm. But back to my Pride DC 22 or 2022 issue, I'm going to go ahead and rate it and I'm giving it a 4.5. It is a really good collection of short stories and it's it seems kind of less forced than the first one because uh, I felt the first one was a little bit forced. This one I felt had a really good flow to it and just really good stories and I enjoyed every one of them. 
And I mean, they didn't even put some of the big hitters like Constantine and uh, you had Sarah Lance from Arrowverse who has been introduced into the comics along the way. They didn't put the newest one, Galaxy, I think is their name or their name, who is a non-binary character. And but Marvel is a little bit late this year. Their issue, I believe, comes out June twenty second. So might be the twentieth, but it's it's towards the end of June, whereas DC released theirs last week on Tuesday. So Well better late than never. Yeah. And with that, I've reached the end of my reviews. So, like I said, if you get the chance, watch Queer's Folk, even though Paul hates on people because he wants to hate on them and not give them a chance. And then Whatever. he wants to But Paul apparently really enjoyed No Time to Die, so if you like Bond, watch that. Well, but, there is um, another film that I watched today. Um, I met one of my old co-workers. He didn't have all these films, but he didn't have time to watch all these things along the way. I did not say I did not have time, now did I? I'm talking about everything all along the way. You don't have time to watch it. But amazingly, he has time to watch two films this weekend. Anyway, like I was saying before I was rudely interrupted from the peanut gallery. Um, the peanut gallery is called the Chris Cast. I did get to see, I did get to see, see Top Gun today, and I know you're not a fan of the movie, but this is a phenomenal film. It really puts a whole, it wraps up everything. Um, Goose's son is in this. He play his name is Rooster in this. You know, Goose died in the movie. Um, ejected from the plane with uh, Maverick. Um, Maverick becomes an instructor for Top Gun. Uh, at the very beginning of the film, it has Tom Cruise at the very beginning of the film. He says, this is real airplanes with real G-forces. He said, we are really doing this. And he said, I hope you enjoy this movie as much as I did making it. He said, everything was real in this movie. He said, nothing was fake. He said, all the G-forces are real that these actors went under. He said, I hope you enjoy this movie. It is an intense movie. The the way these the it showed the actors in these planes enduring the G forces as it was in these planes. It was phenomenal. It was a damn good movie. And um Val Kilmer comes back in it. Uh he plays yeah, uh, the week. He plays Iceman in it and um he, uh, of course, he has a digitized voice part in it. Um, for most part, for his part, he was typing at a computer, typing out his stuff that he was saying the Maverick. And, um, but at one point, he does stand up and verbalizes. Well, it seems like he verbalizes a couple things to him. Um, I don't want to go into too much because. Uh, there's a lot of details in this movie, um, a lot that goes on, and it's just amazing. Um, there's a reason why it's doing so well because 
you went out. You need to pay attention to that a little bit better. I don't. I, well, this my phone's sitting over the side plugged in, so I don't. It's not on my radar to look at that. So um, I don't want to go into too much of what's going on with it, but with the movie, but uh, it it's a good movie. It really is. Uh, there's some there's some parts where two parts where I kind of got choked up in the movie because it is so it's, it's so incredibly well written. There's a reason why it's doing so well at the box office, and there's a reason why it was Tom Cruise's biggest opening ever. So um, I'm gonna go see it again. It is that that is that good. It is that good of a movie. I enjoyed it. I'm gonna give the you know the acting, the special effects, the mood, the planes, everything, the whole storyline that goes on inside of it. Chris, I'm gonna give it four and a half stars, and I really suggest you probably need to see this one. It is that good. Uh, like I said, I was not impressed with the original. The so storyline in this one. I mean, just the. Story I will not go out of my way to see this one. I promise you that. Well, anyways, but, you're lost. But while we're in Pride, I wanna send a shout out to Gail Simone who is a huge ally and a comics artist and writer. She worked on, I think she was the creator of Birds of Prey if I'm not mistaken which is a fantastic series. She also is responsible for some of my favorite Wonder Woman stories. She wrote in, in that point when they brought back Diana Prince and I have all four action figures that were based on her story run and I follow her on Twitter. Well, today she tweeted out at 2.25 p.m. Raise your hands if you support trans rights. Shout it. Don't let the awful people think they're winning. And then responding to that, she said, also to the people responding to this with a raised hand and the hell yeah, you make me happy. Thank you. That's awesome. So she's she talks about the games that she plays because she she and her husband, according to her, have tea and a board game every day. And she has written some phenomenal stuff through the years and just seems to be an amazing woman. So if you're on Twitter and you want a very talented writer who is really enjoyable to follow. And it's a lot of humor on there too. I mean, it's, this was one of her serious posts, but like the other day she tweeted out Jurassic world. Is it a fakie or a true? So just, she'll do nonsense like that from time to time too. And it's a lot of fun to follow her and she will make just completely outlandish posts and she trends regularly on there. So if you want to get with the cool kids, follow Gail Simone is basically what I'm saying. But with that, I do not know what I'm reviewing next week because I do know that Wednesday is the final season of Love, Victor, which, oh, if you haven't watched it, did you ever watch Love, Simon? Love, Simon, the movie? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Did you like Love, Simon? It was cute, yeah. Love, Victor is the continuation of that movie. This is the third and final season debuting on Wednesday. It will premiere 
on Hulu as it has been. Third season, all three seasons have been on Hulu. The twist is on Wednesday when it releases, June 15th. This time, it will actually premiere on Disney+, Plus, which is where it was supposed to go in the first place, but because they wanted to keep it family-friendly, they didn't put it on there. And I fussed about that because they had the gay characters in the Marvel stuff that they put on there and didn't have any issues with that. But when it came to a series where the lead character is gay and that's what the stories are about, all of a sudden it becomes an issue. And it was just Disney not standing behind the product. Yeah. So I highly recommend Love, Victor. And one of the things I like about Love, Victor was it shows his mother having a lot of issue with accepting her son being gay. And it shows her struggle as well. And I think that's a story that needs to be seen as well so that people don't just automatically hate on those who can't accept it. Because it shows that she's trying and trying, but she keeps failing. And his mother if you watched Ugly Betty, was actually Betty's sister on Ugly Betty. Oh, really? Yes. So, Hilda, 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 what was her name on Ugly Betty? Wasn't it Hildy? Uh, it's Hilda or Hildy or something like that. But, yeah, she plays the mother of Victor in this, and it's a really good story. And, I mean, if you like Heartstopper, Definitely watch Love, Victor. But it it premieres the final season on Wednesday, like I said, June 15th. And then everybody's got so much for pride, including the Roku channel, which the Roku channel actually has Philadelphia on there. And I'm tempted to go back and rewatch that because it's been so long, see if it still holds up. It's ringing a bell, Philadelphia. What was that again? Uh, Tom oh, Hanks. the movie. Washington. Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and uh, that was I just as I said that I remembered it. Yep. Yeah, it's it won the Academy Award. Yeah, that was a good movie. Um, and another good movie is Milk. I like that movie. Yep. Yeah. I haven't seen Milk in a while. I own Milk, but, which for those out there who have been in a cave and don't know what milk is. It's about the Harvey Milk, who was the first openly gay elected official in the U.S., I believe. And, and one that was Sean Penn. Sean Penn yep. played in that movie. Yeah, I remember that. Very good movie. But with that, any final words? Well, the rise of COVID is up again. Uh, one of my close friends, he's got it, and he's quarantining right now. Um, this makes his second day he's quarantined. He got, well, he got diagnosed Saturday. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday. He's got Tuesday, Wednesday. He goes back to work hopefully Thursday if he tests negative. Yeah, that, that is the, the plus now is the the quarantine is only five days as opposed to two weeks that it was before. But we had patients at work test positive on my unit. Yeah. 
Wow. And from what I heard, it's one of the girls that I worked with tested positive. So she was the one who brought it in, apparently. Yeah. And she thought it was just allergies, which, again, goes to show you, you don't know what it is. Be careful. Protect yourself. Protect others. That's why I still wear a mask everywhere I go. You've got to be diligent. And I keep hearing people say, I'm just tired of wearing it. You know, I am too, but by the same token, I've gotten used to it. It's not hard to go out in public wearing a mask. True. And as far as people, my in-laws, I just found out they had it two weeks ago. And when we went to the Comic-Con last week, I found out one of the guys that I used to work with who I saw there, he had tested positive not too long ago. And he said that luckily because he had the vaccines that he presented more as allergies and it wasn't too bad. Well, I know mine is allergies because I just spent the afternoon today yeah. after I got home from the movie plucking my dog. He's a husky and he's shedding again. So I was out there plucking him. I was down on the ground plucking him and fur was flying everywhere. And at that point, I felt my eyes just like welling up and I started snotting. I was like, damn. Here we go again. So at that point, I started sneezing and coughing and dying. And I got about 30% of him done. Yeah. You're talking about dog. I don't know if they heard it, the little rumblings when she jumped up, but my girl jumped up here on the bed. She's laying beside of me. I didn't hear it on my end, but I was talking though. Can you see you there? She looks like a black spot. Yeah, she's a sweet girl. Isn't that right, sweet girl? That's something I I know we're running late, but now I I just gotta say it because I got the dog up here. You know, I've heard people say that when they lose their pet, they'll never have another one because it's just too hard. And I'm like, you know, it is hard. It's very hard when you lose your pet. But I would never imagine not having another. Because the joy they bring is so much more than the pain of the loss. Yeah. And this poor thing is terrified of thunderstorms and terrified when the rain hits the roof. So she was in here cowering. And now that storm's passed, she's a little bit more wired and friendly and and optimistic about everything. Aww. There was a clap of thunder earlier and her poor little girl just started shivering. Couldn't get her under control. And went to feed her and she wouldn't have anything to do with her food. She was too afraid. So when a really bad storm hits, she's in really bad shape. But she's well loved and that's all that matters. Isn't that right, girl? Isn't that right, girl? But anyways, any final words, Paul? Nope. Not for me. Yeah. As always, stay wary. Because another one I saw today, Hugh Jackman has been diagnosed again with COVID. Oh, I saw where Mick Jagger had to cancel their uh, 
they're in the middle of a tour over in England right now, and they had to cancel a few shows because he got diagnosed with um, COVID. I think Ringo Starr had somebody in the band test positive and had to cancel some shows. And not due to COVID, I don't know if you saw it, Justin Bieber has had to cancel some shows due to some kind of paralysis. Did you see his face? No. Have you seen the video? Go to his, well, you don't have Instagram. You really need to go to Instagram. Um, He put up a video of his face and he's sitting there talking. This side of his face is like responding, like blinking. Every time he blinks, this side of his, his eye over here will look away in a different direction and will roll completely around. And he he can't blink with this side of his face. Every time he tries to, his and plus when he tries to move his eyes, that one eye will look in a total different direction than look down and all around. It's, I feel sorry for the dude. I've never really liked Justin Bieber, but I really feel sorry for him about this. This is horrible. And it's kind of the same with Jim Ross, I think, because, you know, Jim Ross had Bell's palsy, I believe it was, and had the partial facial paralysis and then had it again. And so part of his face now droops all the time. And I'm wondering if that's what Justin Bieber went through. But. Well, they said he's going to make a recovery, but he had to cancel some shows because of it. My best to Justin Bieber. I'm not a fan, but I don't wish bad on anybody except for Trump to go to jail. I do wish that. Of course. But, But anyways, that's it for this week. Like I said, we'll figure out what we're going to review for next week. I know for a fact I will be watching the final season of Love, Victor this week. And and also, for those who aren't watching it, I, again, stress Superman and Lois. Very good show. And what they've done with Bizarro this year, I've really enjoyed. And So if you're into superheroes, check out Superman and Lois. The first season is on HBO Max, and the second season is ending now on CW. I don't know if it has one or two more episodes left. I think it's two more. But we'll figure out what we're going to review next week, and hopefully Paul will stay in line and and do the right thing this time instead of reviewing things that aren't part of the scheme. We'll see. Probably not. But anyways, until next week, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.